we as women in this society are taught to take care of everyone else's needs before our own to a certain extent, especially as mothers. And I had unwittingly put all my eggs in the motherhood basket. I gave up a lucrative career. I was a political appointee in the Clinton administration. And after I had children, that heady time of being in politics and working on things that were in the news wasn't as important to me. But then when I became a mom for 15 years of being at home, not practicing law, I lost myself somewhere along the way. Hello, you are listening to the Late Bloomer Living Podcast, where we are reimagining and redefining what it means to be in midlife, where we are gathering energy, momentum, and excitement for our next chapter via candid conversations with other midlifers about their own pivots, pitfalls, and triumphs. I'm Yvonne Marchese, your host, and I'm so happy you're here. You know, sometimes life just comes crashing down around you and you're forced to dig deep to find resilience you didn't know you had. And then sometimes you are the driver of that change. My guest this week is Maria Leonard Olson, and she has been on both sides of that equation. In her 50th year, she found herself lost as she was experiencing empty nester syndrome. She also got divorced and entered into recovery for alcoholism in that same year. That trifecta led her to therapy, where she began to heal, and eventually started to make active changes for a happier life. She's since written a book, a couple actually, more than a few, Uh, She produces a podcast and has been on the TED stage to talk about her journey in an effort to save others from thinking that they are alone in their struggle. I can't wait for you to meet her. But before we do, I want to know if you've been struggling to figure out your next chapter, feeling stuck and maybe a little lonely. Well, you can consider this your invitation to join the Midlife Uprising community so you don't have to go it alone. We gather on Zoom once a month for fun activities and get to know each other as we rethink what's possible as we age. You can get more information about that at midlifeuprising.com. I hope you'll join us. So, okay, without further ado, here's Maria Leonard Olson. Let's go. All right. Maria, thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you for having me. It's awesome to have you here. We have had technical difficulties, I'm just going to say, going into this. And I am just, I'm just thrilled you're here. Thank you. Thanks. I think it's kind of a small universe of people working in the space to help people, women particularly in midlife, to live their best lives. And our paths have crossed several times. And I'm really glad that you were able to be on my podcast, Becoming Your Best Version, and that now I get to be on yours. I know. I love it. I love the back and forth. It's awesome. Um, Thank you again. And so what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to have you tell about your that point in time when you came up against it here in here in the midlife here in the middle of life and what you did to get around it um 
Yeah. Sure. I, the universe conspired to have three different things happen in my 50th year. I got divorced, I became an empty nester, and I got sober from alcoholism. I was a binge drink alcoholic. And as my children started cutting the apron strings, I started to feel adrift. Mm -hmm. I had unwittingly put all my eggs in the motherhood basket and didn't know who I was when I was not no longer a wife of a man I had been with for 25 years. And my kids didn't need me in the way that they had needed me for the first 18 years of their lives. So I took refuge in the bottle and that was not a good thing, led to my divorce. And then at age 50, I was living alone for the first time in my life. And while some of the things I learned in my 50th decade are things that maybe I could have noticed before turning 50, I didn't. I was sort of on autopilot doing mostly for others, my children, my family, and the community, and not so much for myself. And so when I turned 50 and I was feeling rather rudderless, I decided as a gift to myself for my 50th year, I would do 50 new things to determine how I wanted to live the next chapter of my life. I didn't intend to write a book, but I had to change everything about my life just about. And so people started hearing about my list of 50 new things I was trying during my 50th year. And they kept asking me for it. And someone, a few people suggested, you should write a book about this. This is so resonant for me. I want to know what's on your list. So I queried an agent who was the agent of one of my author friends. And she took the book and ran with it, got a great publisher. And now I continue eight years later to speak about my book, 50 After 50, Reframing the Next Chapter of Your Life. And while I'm not a life coach, I want to share my experience, strength, and hope with other people because all of us have baggage, all of us have life challenges. And I feel like those challenges that happened in my life equipped me to help other people not feel so alone and maybe learn from some of the things that took me a long time to learn. So, so I want to back up a minute because mm -hmm. um, I know that there was a little process that went into deciding to do the, the, 50, the 50 things, right? The 50 new things. And I'd love to know how you put together your list and what was the process that went into that. And then also how did people start hearing about it? Like what was going on that had people like, like starting, starting to ask you for this list? Um, but, but really mainly I want to go back to the moment, you know, whatever that moment in time was that, that had you decide to do 50 things for your 50th, like what was that? What was driving that? Well, I had had a very public 40th birthday party, a large party at a former monastery for um, at which was the home of one of my best friends from high school. And it was a big blowout party in the suburbs of D.C., 200 people, life size 
a slideshow of me, trivia games about all about Maria, costume changes for each decade. It was very public. And so people started asking me, oh, you're nearing 50. What are you going to do for 50? They thought I was going to do something big. And had I not gotten divorced and gone to rehab, maybe I would have. But uh, my life was kind of in shambles at age 50. And I just wanted to hide. And someone suggested, well, why don't you try 50 new things? And, and that just sparked something in me, my, mainly because I didn't know what the heck I was going to do now that I'd blown up my life. But it was the germ of an idea for figuring out what I wanted to do with the next part of my life. How did you start building the list? Well, I use the note function on my cell phone and I, I keep it dynamic. Now I'm writing a list 65 after 65. But <laughs> at the time I was 50, I wrote things that brought me joy and things that I wanted to try, places I wanted to go, things, uh, people I wanted to meet, all kinds of things. And it's a dynamic list. It was a dynamic list. So I would add and subtract to the list as I learned about new things through people, through podcasts, through, I'm a big fan of TEDx talks, TED talks. And the way it started before, even before that is upon getting divorced, I entered therapy And the therapist asked me, what brings you joy, Maria? And aside from my children, I could not think of a single thing. And she said, oh, you you must. There must be things that make you smile, that you like. How about what's your favorite food? And so I said, well, chocolate ice cream. And so (laughs) chocolate ice cream, trying the best chocolate ice cream was on my list. And that didn't make it to the final list, but (laughs) I had to start small with things that sparked even a modicum of happiness in me because I was really sad when I got divorced and went into rehab and my family was in shambles at the time. So I started small and the list grew as I You're saying something so important right now, Maria. I don't, I don't. Uh, The reason I'm stopping is because what you're saying just hit me like a sledgehammer, actually. The idea that you couldn't think of anything. Mm. And, And you can't go from zero to 100, right? Mm-hmm. And and so I love that she started you with just thinking of something small. You know, I think so often we want to change things. We want to we want to change our life, and we want to see it all happen right away. And sometimes it does have to start with small self care things. Absolutely, we as women in this society are taught to take care of everyone else's needs before our own to a certain extent, especially as mothers. And I had unwittingly put all my eggs in the motherhood basket. I gave up a lucrative career. I was a political appointee in the Clinton administration. And after I had children, that heady time of being in politics and working on things that were in the news wasn't as important to me. But then when I became a mom for 15 years of being at home, not practicing law, I lost myself somewhere along the way. Yes. 
I think that's very common. I personally stopped my theater career when I had kids and I think I was already heading down that road. I was already a little disillusioned with um, with the career part of being in the theater. Mm -hmm. It's you know it's a brutal it's a brutal path you know. Yes. And but I didn't know I was done until my first child was two, and I started auditioning again after I had taken a break, and I started getting callbacks, and I realized that I didn't want to put that same energy, all my energy had gone into that career pre-kids, you know? And mm -hmm. and then I was like, no, I, I, don't, I don't have it to give and I don't want to give it. I want to give all my energy here with my kids. But then there was this five years of not knowing who I was. Mm -hmm. Is that um, kind of what your experience was? Like I, I felt very adrift and I felt very happy to be with my child and to have that opportunity to, I mean, the best and hardest thing I've ever done is become a mom, mm -hmm. but I was definitely lost in the sauce. Yes, know? absolutely. I talked to many women who are adrift in midlife after their children start to push them away. And if we've done our job properly, they're supposed to start to push you away, even metaphorically, because we're if we do our job correctly, we're giving them the wings to be independent humans in the world. And I'm so grateful that I had the opportunity to be an at-home mom for a period of time and that my kids are launched now and they're making their way in the world. The sticking point for me was I had a difficult transition from being their everything, their teacher, their cook, their chauffeur, everything to being more of an advisor when asked, because I wanted to be their <laughs> That's higher key, power. That's key, right? <laughs> yes, I wanted to be their higher power. And the fact of the matter is I am not. They have their own higher powder, power and their own journey. And that transition was really hard for me. Yeah, I think it contributed to my drinking problem. But going back to your point, I think that our passions change over our lifespans if we're lucky enough to be to live a long life that our passions my passion and yours were our children for a period but now our passions can change to something different and I talk to people all the time about if you don't make any choice or any change that is a choice you're choosing the safety of sameness. And that was not enough for me anymore. I felt unfulfilled in the sameness that uh, was going on in my life. And this 50 after 50 project enabled me to just rediscover who I was at this phase in my life and what would lift me up and what would expand my horizons and my perspective because my world became kind of small. Um, shuttling the kids around and talking to other moms principally, I, w I wanted more. And yeah. I found a way to find it, to, to get it, to get so, it. So on your list of 50, do you have one or two things that are standout? Like, the, the, like you have no regrets in trying those things and they, and you, they impact your life today? 
Yes, uh, there are so many things, but I would say probably the categories of spiritual endeavors and lifestyle changes were the most impactful. And one of those uh, spiritual endeavors included incorporating a regular meditation practice into my life. And for me, because I am a busy litigator by day, I am a big fan of the 16 second meditation, which is you breathe into a count of four, hold it for a count of four, and breathe out to a count of four and hold it out for a count of four. This practice throughout my day helps me remain centered when I'm triggered by a difficult opposing counsel or whatever it happens to be traffic. I in fact use traffic, stop lights, stop signs as reminders, cues, up, oh, got to do a 16 second meditation to get myself back on the beam. And that has changed my life because instead of reacting to life stimulus, I now respond uh, with a little bit more thought and, and gentleness because we can't make assumptions or it is harmful to make assumptions about the way other people behave. And I try hard not to do that because we're all on our own individual paths and we all may have difficulties that cause us to behave badly. Like people who cut me off in traffic, for instance. So I'll do a 16 second meditation and, and send them a blessing thinking, well, maybe- Oh my gosh, got... I do the same yeah, thing. Yeah, bad I have to tell you, I am not my best self behind the wheel because I right. do get so frustrated with people, but when I am when I am my best self, I am able to do that that very thing, which is which is take a breath and think about the circumstances that that person might be in that they're doing they're feel fully justified in making the decision that they made, right? Yes. Because they feel like they're under the gun, they need to do a thing. They've got to, you know, and you start to think there are times when I do, I drive by cars and I look at the person next to me and I send them a little blessing and it does, I don't know what that does for them, but I know what it does for me. Right. And, exactly. and I hope, I hope that that blessing reaches them, you know, and, but what it does for me is, is it, it lightens everything. It is Agreed. an unbelievably powerful Agreed. practice. I love, and I love the idea of the 16 second meditation. Meditation has been huge for me and, and being able to uh, just manage and navigate the ups and downs of life. It's so funny. So many people say they can't meditate, but it doesn't have, it, a walk can be a meditation. You know, there's so many ways to meditate and there's nothing, there's no such thing as doing it wrong. So many people feel like they've got to do it a certain way, right? Right. That's yeah. true. That's true. What else did you do on your list that was a, a game changer for you? Well, I practice my own brand of minimalism, which for me consists of whenever I bring something new into my home, I get rid of two things, which I either donate or recycle or sell. I've made a lot of money selling almost every designer piece of clothing that I own, for instance, because I no longer need it. And I don't want my children to be saddled with a lot of stuff when it is my time to go. And I went through having to clean out the homes of my father and my stepfather and, and it was difficult. It wasn't fun at all. So I, my favorite, one of my favorite things to do is to travel. And the book contains descriptions of certain types of travel that I did. 
One includes a trip to Nepal where I lived in the Himalayas uh, eight hours from the closest road where there was no running water and no electricity. And yes, I did use an outhouse for two months, but what that was or became for me was an exercise in cultivating gratitude. Gratitude for the fact that I live in this country, that I will have access to clean water and medical care, and I will eat something today. Even if I'm homeless, there are there is a safety net here in this country that doesn't exist in a lot of developing nations. So I was in a very dark place when I got divorced and sober, but doing things like travel to developing nations helped me realize just how lucky I am and helped me develop my gratitude practice, which is every morning I wake up and I think of 10 things for which I am grateful from the prosaic to the profound. And that resets my frame of mind, my lens through which I look at the world, that I am lucky, I am blessed, I can walk, I can see. I have so many, so many things for which to be grateful. So, I've probably lumped in there three or four different things in the book that were lifestyle changes, spiritual endeavors, um, travel, adventure. There are seven categories in the book of things that I did among the 50. And you don't need to wait till you're 50. Some of my children's 20-year-old um, friends have done five new things in a week or one new thing a month. The point is stretch your comfort zone, expand your perspective. I strive to grow every day, to learn something new every day. It's amazing. And you even, you even ended up, I don't, I don't know if we talked about it. Did you ended up doing a Ted talk? Oh yes. Thank you all, right? for mentioning that I did at city university of New York in November. And the title is using life's challenges as a force for good because I believe that all of us go through life with challenges and we can use those challenges to help other people not feel so alone in whatever they're going through. And for instance, one in four American women report that they have been sexually assaulted, but I didn't tell anyone for two decades that what happened to me, but now I have spoken on a national stage about uh, rape culture in our society. And I was, after I spoke, dozens of 20 something year old women flocked over to me and said, I can't believe you said that out loud. And I said, well, I didn't tell anyone when I was your age and it kept me sick. It kept me feeling other than and less than, and I don't do that anymore. And I want you to know that there is help. So all of us can use whatever it is that has challenged us in our lives to help somebody else. Absolutely. Amen to that. Thanks. There's so many people that I've talked to on this podcast, Maria, that um, have taken something from their life that has, that has been traumatizing, that has been, you know, uh, something you wouldn't, wouldn't wish on anybody. Mm-hmm. And there is such power in being able to take that experience and use it to help other people. And I commend you for, oh. for being able to do what you're doing. Well, thank you. In the, in the rooms, the 12-step rooms, like AA, Al-Anon, and 
ACA, Adult Children of Alcoholics, we often talk about how the opposite of addiction is connection. When we don't feel like we're the only ones, it gives us comfort typically. And, yeah. and I have found that. And so I'm paying it forward. Yeah. And isolation and loneliness are way above and beyond, you know, heart disease mm-hmm. in, in, causing di- in, in causing people to, to get sick. Yes, it's you know, true. There is so much power in connecting with people. And I mean, the more you give, the more you get. It's a 100% like, you know, I just can't recommend enough to anybody to, if you're feeling low, if you're feeling stuck, to look for something that you feel isn't right and step in and start to try to make change yes. or look for somebody that needs help and reach out to them and try to help and unbelievable what you'll start to notice happening in your own life. Right. And I hope that the pandemic underscored for all of us how tenuous life is and how we could die any day. So why not make the world a better place while you're here? Why not make a change for the good? Yeah. Well, thank you for the work you're doing. Thank you for the incredible light you bring to the world. Your Midlife Uprising Summit was outrageously good. Uh, You brought together women who are now in my life that I had never known, who have been on my podcast and who I am collaborating with on various projects because you are someone who knows how to bring people together and how to share share light with the world. I thank you right back. Thank you. You're going to make me cry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that 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 is um very kind of you to say. Thank you. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a phenomenal experience and, uh, yeah, so much so that now I'm, I'm doing a whole community, um, called Midlife Uprising based yes. on, you know, the experience of bringing everybody together and, and feeling the, fa- the force and power behind that and how we can all cheer each other on and, yes. and be here to connect with each other and hold each other accountable for what we want and not have to settle and fade away and become diminished as we get older, but um, to keep exploring our curiosity and our instincts and, you know, yeah, I could go on and on. <laughs> it's true. The, the positivity that was present was palpable. The support the, the, that the women were offering, the free support they were offering, and the ways to connect with them beyond the summit, it was so inspiring. I really, I've been involved in a lot of summits and yours was really superlative well uh, thank you see yeah yeah you're making me cry <laughs> oh my goodness thank you um i can't thank you enough for being with me today how can people get in touch with you and uh and the book is 50 after 50 right that's right it is available in paperback hardback and on audible and if you go to my name maria leonard olson.com you can connect with me you can see my tedx talk and please hit the like button it helps to move it up in the visibility algorithm and i believe it has the capacity to help a lot of people feel not so alone and follow Follow me on social media at 
50 after 50. F-I-F-T-Y, A-F-T-E-R, and the number 50. Thank Love you. It. Love it. <laughs> and I will have all that in the show notes for anybody as well so that you, if you're driving your car right now, don't worry about it. <laughs> you don't have you. to pull over and write it down. I'll have it in the show notes. Thank um, you. Maria, thank you so much. And uh -huh. we just have to stay in touch, lady. Oh, we will. You have made an impact on my life and we will be continuing this journey. Thank you. Well, there you have it. I hope that you took a little inspiration from Maria's story. I sure do. Yeah, you know, we all hit the wall sooner or later, I think. And what you do from that low point and where you go afterwards is really the important part of it, I think. We can all find a lesson in the pain and suffering of our lives. And we have the opportunity to turn that around by helping others so that they don't have to go through it or they don't feel alone as they're going through it. Yeah, I'm so, so bowled away, or bowled over, I guess would be the phrase for what Maria has been on a mission to do. So, I'm so glad you stuck with us here to the end. I uh, wanna remind you that if you're, if you're thinking you're curious about the Midlife Uprising community, I would love to have you join us or just get in touch with me if you have any questions. If you want to look up the details about that, again, that's midlifeuprising.com. And you can always send me a question at latebloomerliving at gmail.com. Thank you so much for being with me. I hope you have a fantastic week. Stay safe and well. Talk soon.